Hello and welcome to Living a Culture of Life podcast by Human Life International. I'm your host, Colleen, and I'm joined today by Father Bouquet. Welcome, Father. Colleen, great to be back with you again. It's great to be here too. And today we're going to be talking about why you shouldn't talk about the demographic winter, which we're going to flesh that out a little bit as the podcast goes on. But let's just start, Father, by super brief for our listeners, what is the demographic winter? Because it's hard to have a conversation about what we need to worry about when we're talking about it if we don't know what it is. Correct. So, so very yeah. simple. I'm going to use uh, my recent spirit in life where I spoke mm-hmm. about the situation in Japan. Okay. So Japan, you know, has reached a point where this year, I mean, some of the stats that we've seen, you know, they have lost over 800,000 people. Mm-hmm. And, and as a result, their birth rates, which are already very low, and their replacement level, and since replacement means, you know, uh, not only replacing the current population number, but adding to that population. So let's just say a couple welcomes, you know, three children. So mm-hmm. they've, quote unquote, replaced themselves, and they've added a child, yeah. added it to the number. That's not happening in Japan. Mm-hmm. So what you have now is a spiral in the opposite direction where the population is decreasing. Replacement is not keeping up quote, with the ability to hold the population in a certain number, mm-hmm. and thus you have a demographic winter on your hand, which means it's going to affect them financially, it's economics, it's mm-hmm. going to affect the social programs, it's going to affect, you know, everything from even just the enrollment in a school. You may have a schools closing in certain communities because you don't have enough children. I think there's countries and or at least like states in America that are having like it on a more local level and they're already closing schools because you're seeing Correct. that. But I know when I was first like, trying to look at demographic winter information for this podcast. Originally, I was like, okay, what does this like actually look like? Like, what if we walked through the different steps? And I was looking at like the infrastructure problems and like, you're going to even just like politically, like in America, things are based on population. So if you have one area that's losing population quicker than another, it's going to shift things politically. And then like the medical costs going up and then how it's all feeding into euthanasia. And I was sitting there going, this is really depressing. And that's what, and then I was talking with a few other coworkers and, they were all like, no, you have to frame this in a more hopeful way. Right. Like there is a big problem on our hands, but we can't focus on that. So what's it like the heart of this low birth rate that we're seeing? Well, as we've in many podcasts before, obviously it's, it's a false understanding of the human person, mm-hmm. marriage, the welcoming of children. So you have an ideology that has been running, you know, really throughout the cultures around the world, and that is a rejection of those core values that mm-hmm. sustain a culture, sustain a society, that really build a society, as the church always discusses, the family is the unit, a single cell, according to the Catechism of the Catholic Church, upon which society is built. So if you keep assaulting the very unit that holds all of it together, Mm-hmm. And in, in a sense, sustains it and actually helps it to grow, to mature, to understand, you know, the core values that we're advancing, you know, uh, in the sense of, of uh, love of neighbor, you know, that starts within the family. So you start chipping away at it, Colleen. What happens is not only is it going to affect that, that single unit, it's mm-hmm. going to affect what the unit also affects and that is society as itself. And you just gave some highlights. I mean, an example of that would be, you know, we all know right now in the United States that larger populations, Los Angeles, New York City, and the states in which they exist, you know, have much more leverage in the political conversation. Mm -hmm. You start losing that demographic number of population, you also lose your voice, you lose your ability uh, to articulate that voice. But as you also said, you start affecting the the very structures of that that society. Mm -hmm. And just as simple as where a grocery store is built, yeah. You know, you might be so used to going down the street and there's your grocery store. Well, if the population moves out of that community, mm-hmm. let's say, uh, and 
Now you may have to go 20 miles before you get your next grocery store. So just something as basic as that, you know, good roads. Yeah, that was the one I was thinking of is the roads. You have all like, you're used to roads being maintained by workers. This was an, I was looking at one resource, I think it was from the Ruth Institute and they were laying out different things. And they're like, you have factories, you have road workers, you have all of this infrastructure in America that you're used to having the population and the workforce to be able to work it. And it's like, it's going to be a more extreme version of what we see now with like flights being canceled and all of that. Like, I know that's a different issue, but if you have an expectation of a certain production value and you don't actually have the people to produce it, you're going to start seeing a breakdown in just things that you used to take for granted. Exactly. And as we've talked about before, you know, when you look at an inverted pyramid, what we call, uh, you know, just in the sense of when you look at a a population pyramid, a a, demographic pyramid, Mm -hmm. you know, so if we, I'm going to draw it because it's on on camera so we can see it. So if you do this, you know that the the larger your population, your younger population makes up your base. Mm -hmm. All right. And of course, your older population makes up your point. Mm -hmm. But if you turn that over, which is what we're seeing, an example, in China. We're seeing uh, in some parts of uh, numbers that are coming out of late. Right? Its own population is now having some signs, mm-hmm. and which we've, we've talked about before, Japan, here in the U.S., and other parts. So it all nothing happens in a vacuum. Mm-hmm. So it has an impact. Well, and it seems like the main thing that is at the core of all of this is a lack of hope. Right. Like, yes, there's a rejection of family values and all that, but it's like, it's the heart of all of that, which is causing people to lose this, like wanting to be within family and recognizing structure and all that is a lack, obviously of God, but right. there's no hope. You have, if you have children, you're investing in the future. You have hope for the future. Sure. You hope that there's a better future. And right now you're seeing a lot of young people who are just like, why would I have kids? Right. We're going down the tubes. Like <laughs> nobody which, wants to, which <laughs> like, is, which why is would the you narrative in that? that's been happening now for, for decades in a mm-hmm. sense. And you just articulated it very beautifully because that's exactly what has been, really broadcast you mm-hmm. know you know and so that uh, large populations are bad you know uh, mm-hmm. it's negative so you constantly hear this uh, and people buy into that ideology mm-hmm. it does have an impact when you go after and assault the, the marriage as we see in so much of our secular cultures today where it just constantly picks and undermines marriage mm-hmm. and so you have a, a different understanding of married life which as we've shared before if you come out with a negative understanding of marriage in your own family experience mm-hmm. it's also going to impact the way that you, you approach have- relationships yourself yeah it's gonna you're gonna have no hope that Correct. if you get married that it's gonna work out because it didn't work out for your parents right. and it didn't work out for their parents right. so but why would you put yourself through exactly. that again exactly but and then the, i'm sorry oh no, no i was no, gonna no, say no. go off on a different so what were you gonna say no i was gonna say that and and that's where we, we call like almost like a death spiral because yeah. eventually you just kind of get caught in this this constant loop Mm-hmm. And and it does. It produces despair, discouragement. Uh, you kind of fall into this sense of uh, you know uh, of blasé. You know, just saying, well, what's the whole point? You know, mm-hmm. and and so, but yet the remedy is what you just said, and that is our when you, when we open ourselves to life and we open ourselves to the beauty of life and the beauty of each and every life that mm-hmm. is welcomed, then there is that potential hope in that individual that brings those new gifts, those new wonders, and that new approach. And and so the real remedy is to open ourselves, you know, to a larger population, open ourselves, you know, to the gift of human life. Mm-hmm. And, and that's where the remedy will be, because it's not just having a sense of hope. It's also, you know, in, investing, you know, in tomorrow, in mm-hmm. the sense of, of seeing that God provides and seeing how, you know, each and each person is a gift to tomorrow. Mm-hmm. And and so I, that it's really a difficult thing to convey 
because uh, so much today has been because uh, we're not in charge of the narrative. Yeah. Well, going back to the narrative too, you have a lot of times people are like, oh, it's like so expensive to have a kid. You have to put them through college. It's going to be expensive. Or you have right now the whole climate crisis, population hysteria. Like you have all these negative voices going through society. And I think it's really easy. And this is going into the why we shouldn't talk about the demographic winter, right. which I'm not exactly saying we shouldn't talk about it at all. But I think that as pro-lifers and as Catholics, we have to be very careful about how we talk about it because it's very easy to slip into this. Like when, like I said, when I was doing the research and I was looking at it, I'm like, this is depressing. Like we can't change the narrative. Like we can't force all of like everyone in the world to start having kids now. Like we're going to have to deal with all of this mess. And I was just like looking at it going, I'm not excited about the future if this is what the future is. And I think it's so important that we be very careful when we're talking about this issue to not frame it only in this doom and gloom way of like we have this population crisis now and there's nothing we can do about it and yes we should have kids going forward but like i I just i think that there's this tension when we talk about it that we Mm -hmm. need to be able to address and address in a very hopeful manner it's a balance i mean it's i would say this you know in having giving presentations on this issue you know in different parts of the world that are experiencing this Mm -hmm. issue and so it's very, in a way, I'm not going to say it's the same, but in a way, it's like when you go to the doctor and there's something serious that needs to be addressed, you know, the doctor exposes what the serious nature is mm-hmm. and then offers the remedy. Yeah. And I think, and so that's the part where we have to do the same thing is not be afraid of what we're confronting and talk about it. What's brought us to this? What's the philosophy, ideology? What's been the narrative? And why is it false? Why has it been unhealthy? What has it caused? What are the consequences? Mm-hmm. Good. Now that we know that. So what's the remedy? What's the solution forward? And mm-hmm. you did say something that is very important with an honest approach. There are some things that will be able to be changed. Some things won't change overnight. This, where we are today, did not happen overnight. What's going on in Japan has not happened in the last decade alone. It's been going on for many decades. So it's going to take time to heal that wound and i think that's the that's where the hope is but you see this is where it comes as a for me as a catholic it's it's wonderful it's a it's a mission mm-hmm. there's this is the moment the lord has permitted me to be in this time in this age facing these difficulties these challenges but that's exciting yes it can be daunting absolutely i mean when you look at the numbers you know but i would say but this is the opportunity to bring good news and I think that is where we have to approach this. Here, where, Here's where we are. This is how we got here. So let's learn from it. Because what's that wonderful phrase? One who doesn't learn from history is destined to repeat it. Well, we don't want to keep going down this path. Something like that phrase. Yeah. But we don't want to go down that path. We want to avoid that path. And at the same time, we have to in, in, in show people that there is always reason to believe in tomorrow. Because tomorrow is, I don't know what tomorrow is going to hold. Mm-hmm. I might not even be here tomorrow, Right. Hope is believing that if I'm given a chance tomorrow, that I'm going to embrace that next that, that day with all that life will afford me and to keep bearing witness to Christ as, as a disciple of the Lord. That, to me, is where we can we preach good news. And I think that's the most important part of this conversation. And that's why I was like, basically what I was trying to get to at the heart of that is that we don't want our conversations about low birth rates and population decline to end with the doom and the gloom. Right. And like... We need to acknowledge the problem we're facing, but make sure that that conversation is like framed by this greater thing of hope of like humanity has been through hard times in the past. Like you have the Black Death in Europe where you lost a lot of population and it was hard, but beautiful things came out of it. And that's not to say that 
like obviously what we're going through now is different, but there've been times in history, maybe not to the same extent where you have population issues. And yes, it's a problem and there will be problems going forward that we need to be aware of, but to make sure that we focus on the fact that there is hope for the future and that it is worthwhile to have kids and not just to have kids to get us out of this mess, but to just have kids because life is worth living. Right. And that's a beautiful thing. Exactly. And, I, and if I could, I'd like to frame it a little, add a little to it. It's not just about, you know, the issue of a, of a decreasing population. You know, we have natural disasters that occur mm-hmm. that can change uh, whole situations in communities overnight and great tragedy, great loss, property loss. I mean, Coming from mm-hmm. South Louisiana, a massive storm can come in and devastate a community. Mm-hmm. So we always are facing situations of life. Mm-hmm. And this is one of these moments. Now, this is something we ourselves are causing. So mm-hmm. we, if we've caused it, that means we can also heal it. You know, yeah. I can't go out in the ocean and say, okay, you hurricane, stay over here. I can't push <laughs> you back out. I have to prepare my property, prepare my home, get away from the damage as much as I can, uh, try to bunker things down mm-hmm. and then get out of the way and yeah. then come back and deal with it. This situation is we've created it. Mm-hmm. So we have to know how we created it, why we created it, what was the mindset happening. Then we can come back in and address those falsifications that have occurred. And there have mm-hmm. been many out there. And let's be honest, we know that it's politically uh, driven in a sense of an ideology. And and so we have to be, there's a, there's a genuine conversation there are, mm-hmm. I mean, things that are we can scientifically show that are in the sense of uh, by uh, in, in the sense of what we know. But there's also a lot of things that are out there that are just fabricated and are are, are literally sensational sensationalized to drive an ideology. That's out there. Okay, I have a question about this, and if you don't know the answer, we can cut this part. Sure, I edit it. <laughs> what motivation is there for people? Like, what what do people have to gain by pushing an ideology that's literally like going to have really negative effects on everybody in the future, not just like Christians or Catholics or something like that. What do the powers that be that are pushing this agenda have to gain? You have to look at their ideology. You have to see what it is and why they believe what they believe. Because there are people that literally, despite the nose in their face, are going to cut it off because they believe so wholeheartedly in that ideology. So there's no rational behavior uh, explanation sometimes. Sometimes it's just believing that this is the path that I believe in and come, you know, no matter what, I'm going to take that path. So like the people that think that like the planet shouldn't have any humans on it, even though it's like detrimental to them, they think that like that's like the ideology that they've committed themselves to and that they're going to keep going to. Well, it's just just like the organizations that are behind the ideology. And you Mm -hmm. think, does it make any sense? Because, you know, what drives their market is people. That's what brings them financial gain are people buying their product. If you undermine the very number of people purchasing your product, you're undermining your own company, your own financial stability and prosperity. Makes no sense. So so there are a lot of things that you know that make no sense that people do and have advanced in our in our human history mm-hmm. and, and and have caused great harm. You know, so we have to be honest, you know, in saying that this has been harmful. Some mm-hmm. people are going to disagree with us. There's mm-hmm. no doubt about it. Who really believe there are too many people on the planet mm-hmm. and who believe that the planet, quote, is not sustainable. Um, that's false. Mm-hmm. And, and you know, so and we can give all the rationale. But like you said, we don't want to focus in on that, but <laughs> no, to focus in on the message of hope. And and I really believe, you know, what what it is, is is that be, as, a, as a Christian, you know, mm-hmm. as a disciple of the Lord, that to see the opportunity in front of us 
is to engage that situation. So very much like the early disciples and the early missionaries, right? They went into new territories. There was no faith there, as we know as Christian faith. They brought the faith. Mm-hmm. And they confronted situations that were very difficult. They confronted similar things. You know, they had cultures that, you know, had very limited birth rates. They had cultures that were doing human sacrificing. They had cultures that, you know, had many different ways of looking at human life, uh, how they degraded, you know, some cultures, how they looked at women, how they looked at children. They faced all of it. But what they brought was good news, Colleen. They brought a different anthropology, a different vision of life. And that's the hope we believe in. We believe in a different vision of the human person. We believe in a different vision of marriage. And we believe in a God who has given me the ability and you the ability to use reason and understanding of how to be a steward of our planet, how to be a steward of God's creation, how to be a steward of those resources, and and, and embrace the day with joy and peace despite the difficulties that it may bring. And mm-hmm. it also what it does a message of hope is it makes us work together. Yeah. And this is where Pope Francis really has been, you know, stressing this. Communities working together that I need to be concerned about the poverty situations in other parts of the world. Here we are. I, I don't lack for anything. Mm-hmm. You know, I can drive right down the street and go right into the grocery store and, and pick up my supper tonight if I want. There mm-hmm. are people that don't have that. And so that so this is what, again, this message of hope does that Pope Francis has been sharing is that this solidarity and that's also what this does. And, and the idea that, you know, we have parts of our world that really exploit those resources. And for what? And, and so those are the things that we're dealing with. But to me, I look at that as an opportunity, not as a gloom and doom. Well, and I think it's really important, like basically what you're saying is that we talk about why life is so worth living, that we talk about the beauty of marriage and we talk about all of these things because they're worth living in the first place. And that's like basically what I was trying to get to with like the title is that we're not going to stay here at the bottom of the, in this demographic winter and say, oh, we should have kids to get ourselves out of it, That's but that we right. need to make sure that our conversation is directed towards helping people recognize the beauty of life and that the beauty of family right. and God's grace and that no matter what kind of struggling, like a Christian, struggling is part of the Christian life. There's right. going to be suffering. It's still worth investing in the future. It's and, still worth having And hope. that's an important word, that suffering, you know, that people just don't want to talk about. You know, yeah. and, and and I think more than suffering is sacrifice. Mm-hmm. You know, my mom and dad come uh, were, were one of a, uh, in large families. My, my my the Bouquet family is quite large in in South Louisiana, and my dad himself is. You know, uh, my grandmother had welcomed eighteen children; sixteen were able to be brought into this world. And you know, we we lived very simple lives. My dad speaks of that. And uh, but what was in but they lacked for nothing. Mm-hmm. No, they didn't have what everybody else has. And I think that's part of this conversation is, is again, that goes back to vision. It goes yeah. back to an anthropology. It goes back to what is my view of life? And if life is about me just having power which in position, which goes back to your question, why do people promote this? If that's what life is, then that's what you're going to get. Mm-hmm. And you're going to get these kinds of situations of, of difficulty. But if your vision of life is that life is good, and God is the giver of life, and God has made me with a purpose, and there's a direction of my life. And mm-hmm. that's a very different vision. When and it's a, oh. No, and I was gonna say, and you approach these situations with a very different narrative. When you've been on mission, have you ever had conversations with young people who just don't want kids because they think the future is bleak? Sure. 
what do you what do you say to them <laughs> well it's very similar to what we're talking about here i try to listen you know what's the rationale what did what why did they feel that way mm-hmm. and you know many times it's because that's what they've been it depends what age they are now mm-hmm. of course do you have any so, specific instances uh, in mind? well i mean i can think of you know a couple of examples you know in in parts of africa all right okay. because this is where the west has pointed its guns if you will mm-hmm. it's pointed this ideology of depopulating africa mm-hmm. and and so when you look at this and you realize okay these young people that's all they hear in college it's mm-hmm. all they hear in high school that's all they get from the un programs that are there that's what they get from the you know united united nations population fund and they hear all this rhetoric mm-hmm. and so if that's all you hear and that's what your professors are teaching. And that's what you see on TV. That's what you hear on radio. That's what you get on the internet. Then it's easy to kind of, that's what you walk in with, mm-hmm. that mindset. And then like, i give an example in uh, the little country of Lesotho, right? So uh, there's a religious sister, uh, now it's in South Africa, just okay, so people have an say, idea. where is that? So it's in South <laughs> Africa, know. a little co- in a country, a uh, mountain country, okay. and uh, has its own king, its own sovereign uh, king. And so I'm in one of the rural parts, of course, in itself, South Africa, rural. And so uh, given a presentation on the beauty of marriage and uh, the beauty of family life. And this beautiful young woman stands up. I mean, and she's very well dressed as, a, mm-hmm. as opposed to some others who are not as nicely dressed in with the sense of clothing. Um, and she's, she's bemoaning the fact that, you know, that we're so poor, we just really can't welcome children. And before I could say anything, a oh. religious sister stands up and she confronts the situation and she says, you know, the, the think about what you just said. So she, she's speaking to her and says to her, the nun is speaking, speaking to, to the lady. To who the stood lady. Up. How old is the lady? Just so the her? religious, uh, the young lady is yeah. probably about 21, 22 okay. years old. Yeah. And the religious sister would be my age, you okay. know, in the fifties. Yeah. And so she says, you know, People before you, she says to the young lady, called her by name, mm-hmm. and says, believe they were poor. Look at your parents. Look at her, the situation, your parents. She says, you're one of seven children. And and look, your parents did so well by you. They they provided for each of you. They loved you. And they had struggles just like we have today. Mm-hmm. But they were open to life. And here you are, this beautiful young lady. And she says, and look how fortunate you are. She says, look at how you're dressed. You know, you were able to go to school. You were able to get a college degree. You were able to find work, all because your parents said yes to you. And because of that, she says, we are blessed. You are here. And you now bring gifts and abilities to our community and you and to our and to our neighborhoods. And the potential is there in you. This mindset is false. Mm-hmm. She says, every life is potential. Every life brings a blessing and brings a challenge, a challenge for me to love. So the sister is just given this fantastic presentation. And she says, but you still think you're poor. And you think that you can't have children because you're poor. She says, that's false. That is so false. And then the sister talks about herself. And she says, I come from a very large family. And she says, and my our, my parents, we, we, you know, she says, they taught us the value of each other. And community and helping each other and she says and my vocation has grown from that and she says so think about that think about what's happened here we've like again an example of that would be in the country of namibia all right and the rundu which is about eight hours outside of the capital of vinhook near mm-hmm. the okovango river delta right across from angola been there a number of times 
And these young boys, young teenage boys, look at me and they ask, you know, uh, with a couple of religious sisters, we're all walking around and, and they say, Father, we understand that America is very, very rich. And, and while we are here very poor, and, and the religious sister said, before Father responds, she says, what if I were to tell you that the West, you in reference here, Father's country, might be very rich, but they are very poor. Mm-hmm. And the young man looked at her and says, oh, you mean spiritually poor. And so the idea is, is yeah. that it's really how we approach. Mm-hmm. And yes, there is poverty. I don't want anyone to listen to this podcast and not realize there are many struggles around the world. I've been in 91 countries. I've yeah. seen with my own eyes. But I know a lot of that is a result of corrupt systems. Mm-hmm. It's corrupt government, corrupt policies, a failure of the few have, the others do not. So there are many challenges. But what we do is we try the ideology of the demographic winner aims at convincing people that the real problem is the human person. Mm-hmm. They are the blame for all of these re- reasons. Well, there's a partial truth. Those corrupt governments are made up of human beings. Mm-hmm. Those policies that are anti-life are, are people that created them. So yes, there's a partial truth in that. But their human person is not the blame for the actual poverty, the root of poverty, all right? Mm-hmm. It comes from something else. And that's and so, why we have to make sure that our conversation is focused on why the human person is so good and right. that life is so good and that even in the midst of poverty, there is hope. Yes, there's beauty. I mean, I mean, you think of, of people in our own history who came from very difficult situations yet yeah. climbed and contributed so beautifully to our societies and our cultures. We have stories like that all around our world. Mm-hmm. So we're really, it's about approach. That's why I go back to what I said. You know, it's, it really is the approach because if I get up in the morning and approach life is how can I serve life today? How can I serve humanity today? What can I do today to help someone in need? What can I do to contribute to the good, the common good that we all share? And how can I advance that common good? That's that's the question. And you know, and it's not so much that we're just going to, in, in a sense, as uh, some people would say, well, just to have children and welcome children for the sake of just numbers. Mm-hmm. No, that's not what we're talking about either. But what we are speaking about is changing the mind and the heart. Mm-hmm. You know, some people, some demographers, and I don't want to end uh, our conversation on a negative, but the idea is, is that some demographers say, once you reach a certain number, a mm-hmm. tipping point, there's no recovery. Now, we can look at history and have examples, all right? I want to not focus on that. That's what I was about to say. That was the whole point of, right. like, calling this podcast why we shouldn't talk about exactly. it. Because that is, right. that's just feeding into it. That's right. Any pro like, not pro-lifer but like anyone who's concerned about population who looks at that is going to say well right. what's the point of having kids which right. just feeds the problem but if we but if we get underneath and that's why i said it's going to take time so for example if we had a mission to japan mm-hmm. how would we address this mm-hmm. well we would address obviously i can't speak to the rulers of the of, the, of japan won't have that opportunity but i can speak to those in the communities you know, and the, using that principle of, of subsidiarity, start at that lowest level and start instilling the beauty of life. Mm-hmm. You know, and I, I'm going to give you an example. Uh, this happened in, uh, in, in mainland China. I remember watching a young couple with their parents, both sets of grandparents, mm-hmm. because they welcomed one child. This child was maybe about a year, year and a half old, mm-hmm. able to walk, move around, but the child, they, and I mean this very respectfully, 
they doted over this child in the sense of like like an umbrella hovering. They were so afraid of the child getting hurt. And eventually they would they would pick up the child when the child just kept saying, get me down, put me down. I want to go, I want to move. But they they were so worried that the child might hurt you know itself it might might fall and so there's there's this fear you know that because we won't only have one child mm-hmm. and so th- this is what's been instilled and then you think about you know so many people who have bought in again i want to come back to the negative but who have had that themselves sterilized yeah because they don't want children or they welcomed one and then had themselves sterilized and something sadly tragically happens to that child and now there's none and so it's it's thank I'm I'm so grateful to the Lord that I was not uh, that I didn't buy into that ideology that I didn't go that path you know it was taught to us in college I remember it very well hearing yeah. it from professors all right and when I I mean that's before I went to seminary and so yeah. forth but it was there I mean my goodness all you gotta do is open up Time magazine News News Week listen I mean this is what they're trying to push I didn't, never bought into it never believed it ever. Mm-hmm. And, you know, and I think that to me is the message we have to keep bringing, that we have to bring a message that really speaks of hope and mm-hmm. speaks of, of a love and a joy. So, that, so I, I, I don't want to kind of move in that direction, but I think it's just important mm-hmm. that we, we look at the whole thing still. No, that's very important. That was why I wanted to have this on hope. And super quick, I think we're right around the half hour mark, but do you have any like signs of hope do you see around the world? Like, Do you see any things that are standing out that's like super hopeful for the future? <laughs> I, I know that's like a really big question and no, I don't want no. this to go on too long, but I, I do want to end sure. on like a Absolutely. what you see from your perspective. Stories are the best way to do it. Okay. All right. So let me give you two of them. Okay. One's going to be in the United States. Okay. Another's going to be in an Asian country. So in the United States, I remember about 10 years ago. So remember, I've been with now serving HLI for 12 years. Mm-hmm. So I went into this community and did what we always do, our, our educational programs, our formation programs. And this young couple, you know, uh, at the time were in their late 20s and had welcomed two children mm-hmm. and had closed themselves off to more children, as we've been talking about, because they had bought into this ideology that they were taught in college and the universities. And, and so then I come in with a very different message. I, the church, but I'm the speaker there. Yeah. Come in and speak something very different and talk about the beauty of, of family life and the wonder of life itself mm-hmm. and challenge that ideology. And I did. And, uh, and, and I remember having a conversation with him in a break. Mm-hmm. And so uh, then fast forward. A few years later, I had not seen them in about five years, six years, and re-encounter them in another event uh, in the same community. And in comes the two children I met before, and in comes three other children. <laughs> and she wa- the mother walks up to me. She says, I want you to meet, and she puts, quote, your children. She says, what you said really pricked our conscience, and we realized we needed to 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 honestly talk about this. And we came to the conclusion that we were wrong and that we had allowed others to to blind us to the beauty of what family life is and to be open and trusting of God and be and, and here they are. 
Yeah. And and so and she says and, and this one's got your middle name, you know. <laughs> so it's kind of really it's exciting to hear because that one moment I, and and there's another similar story, you know, yeah. in uh in one of the Asian countries and and it was uh I'm trying to it was not in the Philippines, but it was in um I'm, I'm thinking I'm trying to think of the country, but it'll come back to me. Similar situation uh in oh, sorry, Taiwan of all okay. places, Taiwan. Wow. So not as large, but they had welcomed one child. And we did the same thing. It was Dr. Brian Close, Dr. Mm-hmm. Lagaya Costa. I've been to Taiwan twi- three times now. And this was the first in- moment there. And very similar to we see in mainland China, we see in other parts of Asia, this mindset of one child. And in the presentation, same thing. Talked about the beauty of life and challenge, and especially what Dr. Brian does, because he talks about the demographic winner. He gets into the ideology of the anti-population. Mm-hmm. So he exposes the real agenda here and who are the players. Mm-hmm. That'd be a great conversation with Dr. Brian to have. But but then I come in mm-hmm. and then I give, I give the theology. I come in and give an, uh, the spiritual components and, you know, to really connect the natural order and law, talking about natural law. And again, similar situation. This couple, however, was in their 30s, early 30s. And so during tea break, they came and talk and and just talked. And I was there for a week and they came every day, every day. And we talked. Now, I was the first first time I'd been there. So the second time when I returned, which was a number of years, about three years later, uh, I meet a second child. Third time I return, I meet a third child. Now, you have to understand, in these cultures, that is a lot of kids. Yeah. Because you don't see children yeah. as much. And so it, it, it's so if we don't have the courage to bring the message forward, if we don't have, and all, what I'm going to end with is a challenge to the church. Mm-hmm. We preach the good news, mm-hmm. absolutely, and we must be, you know, always preaching that good news. But we also have to be there to support, and that means that goes back to what I said earlier. To me, it's community. It's an understanding of my obligation to you, your obligation to me, our obligation to others. And to be in solidarity means to be in solidarity and to realize that, you know, to be a community means to embrace community and responsibilities and duties and obligations. And and if there is a right, you know, to this wonderful gift of life, which there is, then there's also an obligation and a duty toward that life. So there's reciprocity, there's mutual responsibility, all of it. We need to talk about that. We have allowed the other side to control the narrative. And what they've created very tragically is a self-centered culture. A self-centered culture with a huge fear of the future. And we need to be the selfless. Exactly. We have to be self, not selflessly centered, <laughs> other-centered. Other-centered. <laughs> other-centered with other-centered. hope for the future. Amen. And not just to get ourselves out of a bad situation, but because that life is worth living for its own sake. Right. Yeah. Well, thank you, Father so much for this conversation and to all of our listeners i hope you enjoyed the conversation please like subscribe uh tune in next week for another episode and keep on living the culture of life god bless